Welcome to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed, a show where we interview industry leaders and disruptors, revealing the success secrets to create and unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Now your hosts, Thaddeus and Evan. Welcome back to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan. This week, we kicked it old school when we ran the show ourselves. We had no guest on this week, but we got to dive into a couple of cool topics around marketing. And what's the advantage of hiring a marketer to come in and do your marketing for you? If you're not going that route, well, what are some key metrics, some KPIs that you should be looking at when it comes to your marketing? Things like cost per lead, cost per acquisition. What do those terms mean? How to figure them out? We got into all that and more in this show. I hope you enjoy it. Pour yourself a cold one, sit back, relax, and please enjoy responsibly. So we wanted to start off this year kicking it old school style. We're going to talk about a few things, you know, old school marketing stuff that we that we used to do. Plus, we're going to bring back the random question generator. We want to kick it off with random question generator. Yeah, let's do it, man. Sweet. I am going to ask you yours first. And boom, here it is. When was the last time you changed your opinion slash belief about something major? Well, in the last week, I've had it happen multiple times. And some of it was in conversations with you and I where we were talking about like marketing strategies. And we had this belief for a while that we would have like one major offer. And that's that was the, the thing that we would offer to clients. And it would fit the bill for everyone. And we would not push it, but that would be like the premier program where we're doing everything and taking care of it for them. And what I realized in the last week is like, that's just not what's necessary for everyone. You know, we really need to customize that approach for each person and based on their location, based on their competitors and based on and what the market is dictating, you know, where we're spending that money, where we're getting attention. It's all about the result at the end of the day. So if we're not focusing on what's best for them, uh, a cookie cutter approach is not gonna not gonna fix that, not gonna solve that. So you are right. You know, in terms of like the customized cookie cutter approach, like you can't take that in marketing. Great assault, I guess, in a sense. I mean, there are commonalities in things that are, I guess, the same ish, yep. so to speak. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily work for every single business, right? Like, you know, I was chatting with the gentleman yesterday, and you know, we were talking about utilizing a direct mail campaign, even along with a Facebook ads campaign, by the way. So leveraging them both and and making sure that it's the right approach, but not every business is at that point where they could do a direct mail campaign because A, you're going to have to do it like once every two weeks to be able to have that long lasting effect. And you're going to have to do it for 12 to 18 months. So it's a big cost initiative to be able to do a direct mail campaign while hammering Facebook over top of the community or Instagram and, you know, Google ads, uh, you know, et cetera, uh, on top of that. So, I mean, one of the big advantages of hiring a marketer is not that they're not going to screw up as much as you are. In fact, we screw up more on ads and, and things that we're running. We're just, we're failing effectively, efficiently, and on purpose. Because we want to know what's going to work for your area and your market and be able to get you the results that you want. You know, we're going to fail systematically. But the other the other part too about that that failing thing is that when you think about what what a marketing company has versus just you as an individual doing it, we have the ability to roll out a test 
over multiple ad accounts. Uh, cool. And when you can roll out a test over multiple ad accounts, now this data that we get back is like, holy shit, it came in quick, right? And it came in fast because we've got, you know, so many different tests. You can roll out five of the same ad on five ad accounts and run that test versus you running one ad on one ad account, you're not going to get the data back as quick. So it's yep. a, uh, a powerful piece to have a marketer on hand to be able to do that. Uh, and you know what? Some of the stuff we do does flop, but we make that change right away. At least we know it's flopping by the data that we get um, you know, on the back end of things. So, I mean, I can tell usually within a, within three to five days if an ad is doing well and, and if it's not, what part of it isn't doing well. Yep. So well, you test those parts individually as you go, right? Which headline is going to get the most attention and most clicks, which, which picture, which landing page, which, you know, where's the button located on the page? Things like that are going to determine whether or not an ad's going to be effective. And that's just not something that an owner has the time to test. They're mm-hmm. busy running their business. They're in the field. They don't, they don't have time to do that, right? So Mm-hmm. Uh, having either someone on your staff taking care of that or having an outside marketing company come in and do that for you. I mean, it's, it's essential, which kind of leads us into some of the stuff we want to talk about today, which was, you know, what are some of these terms that are being talked about in marketing? You know, things like cost per acquisition, cost per lead. What is it that they mean if I'm having a discussion with a marketer and they're bringing these things up? Like, I have no idea what they are. So tell me about them. So why don't we start with cost per lead what does that mean what in your eyes is important and what is it that we should be shooting for in a cost per lead cost per lead really is what is it costing you to have somebody pick up the phone and call you send you an email fill out your form ask for uh you know a quote right so that's the the cost per lead we'll talk about uh cost per acquisition in a second and that's what sometimes people get confused between the two but really it's just what are you paying for a lead so if you have hundred leads come in, you're going to quote, and I'm going to make the numbers up because I don't, I don't know. Uh, everybody's kind of got a different number. Let's say you, you hundred people come in, you quote out 60 of those people. Um, well, let's do 50 because I'll make the math easy from those 50. You're going to close 30%. So do you close 15 of them? Right. Uh, and kind of working that backwards, but finding out what that first cost is for those people to submit into that form. Um, and that's your cost per lead. There's various numbers. I mean, some people are uh, happy paying $100 per lead in some industries. Uh, Some people are happy paying $10 per lead in some industries. So finding out what your numbers are and kind of working backwards on that. And and, uh, I don't think we'll get to it today, but we had some show down the road talking about how to figure out some of those numbers, right? To say, okay, well, what's your your profit going to be? I mean, how many leads do you need to have the sales that you have to hit the profits that you want to hit and kind of working those backwards on that. But it starts with kind of knowing, you know, what you're willing to pay, or I guess with the beginning of those numbers, I should say, finding out what you want to do in terms of sales and working backwards to figure out, okay, this is what I can pay per lead based off of your closing ratios. So that's what a cost per lead means. So if we run an ad, you're going to have hundred people fill out your form. Uh, if you spent a thousand dollars, your cost per lead is 10 bucks. Oh, and you took the question right out of my head. I was going to ask you, you know, why is this something that's important? And, and you hit it right on the head. It's something that's needed in order to game plan to know what it is that we're striving for uh, to make one improvements, right, as a marketer, but two, to know like, hey, if we want to hit a million dollars by the end of the year, this is how many leads we need to be bringing in. And this is how much it's going to cost to bring in that many leads. So knowing yeah. is, is vitally important when you're budgeting and planning out your year. So 
then what's the difference between a cost per lead and a cost per acquisition? So cost per acquisition is, is what it costs you to acquire one new client. When you work it backwards, and this is from you know the marketing standpoint, so let's go cool back that previous example. So if you have uh, if you're spending ten dollars per lead, and you know that uh, you need three leads to acquire one new client, your cost per acquisition is therefore thirty dollars. Okay, that's kind of the math of what is your total cost of all your marketing to be able to get one new client signed and paying you at the end of the day and figuring that out is also, you know, it's a key to knowing your numbers, right? Obviously you have to know your numbers in business. It's tough just to fly by the seat of your pants. Although I'm sure lots of businesses do it, but when you really dial in to knowing your finances, that's what's going to help you level up to the next mark. So totally. Well, and this is where having numbers like your booking rate, you know, how many leads are you bringing in to how many appointments are you getting booked? And then once you have that number, how many appointments are you doing, right? Presentations, repairs, et cetera. How many of those are you actually making a sale on? Um, yep. and either a repair sale or a new change out sale, right? What is it that's happening there? Those zero calls, obviously, we want to eliminate those as much as possible. And then also, you know, what percentage of them are we getting onto a, a maintenance plan or a premium client plan? You know, however you want to package that offer, how many are you getting onto that? Uh, knowing those yeah. numbers so that you can really game plan and budget again. For the end of the year, you want to know where you're going to be at and what it's going to take in order to get there on a monthly basis. When you talk about maintenance plans, when you do a new install, how much are you pushing to get them on a maintenance plan right after the new install to protect the life of their equipment? Mm-hmm. You know, when you, but when you think about that, like obviously you want client retention and client loyalty. Well, you get them on a maintenance package right after you do the install. Now you're there twice a year, once for the furnace in the, in the fall and once for the AC in the spring, uh, in, you know, I'm thinking Canadian weather, you know, obviously in some places, I I guess everywhere in North America has a furnace, but not everywhere uses them as much as Canada uh, in terms of furnaces. But, uh, but that's, you know, when you think about that, like if you're out there twice a year and then you give them a preferred rate on service calls, well now anytime anything breaks, yeah, there's warranty, I guess, you, you know, involved, in a new install. Um, so you're there, you know, with the warranty, but you're also maintaining the unit. So if you go there yeah. twice a year to maintain the unit and get it up to snuff, you can actually probably catch a lot of those repairs while you're right then and there yeah. and save yourself some costs actually as a business owner, because you're already there and they're already paying you to be there and you can just catch those little things and put it under warranty. Totally. I had a conversation this morning with, uh, with a business down in Louisiana about this exact thing. And what they're doing is, well, what they're considering doing is giving away the first three months of the maintenance plan for free as part of the new install. And what I actually challenged them on was, well, why wouldn't you give it away long enough so you can at least get one tune-up in, right? If they're getting two tune-ups a year with the maintenance plan, get them at least one in, if not two, right? Because then it gives you a chance to come back. You're in front of them. You've seen them twice. Maybe you've even done a repair if there needed to be a repair on that that furnace, that AC unit, whatever it is, covered under the the maintenance plan, covered under warranty. So there's no cost to them. But now they see the value in that maintenance plan and being a preferred customer and being a part of that program. So when you're back there again, you're just re-educating them on what they just experienced for the last year and why it's worth that 20 bucks a month, 12 bucks a month, whatever you're selling it for. Yep. Let me pose this question then. So now we know our cost per lead. We've looked at that. We know what cost per acquisition is. How am I going to figure out which platform is actually going to be the most cost effective for me? So I'm spending money on Facebook. I'm spending money on Google. I'm spending money on paper ads and billboards and all this other shit. 
how am I going to know what is actually the most cost effective? Short answer: Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, no, seriously. Uh, yeah. Like it, uh, it, it. Like yeah. Okay, I'm going to answer the question. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but what I wanted to say on that is that it's an omnipresent approach, right? Not one platform is going to be the magic answer. You can find out which platforms are more effective, and if they're more effective, okay, maybe you massage some of the budget around and you move it to to certain areas. But there's going to be ebbs and flows in different. Uh, different platforms. So you always want to be keeping an eye on that, right? So looking at how do you figure out, you know, okay, is there um, an ROI-ish, you know, from marketing platforms? And I say ish because it's tough to figure out an ROI from marketing because again, the omnipresent approach, sometimes they'll look at a Facebook ad uh, and then they won't recognize the Facebook ad because they don't click on it, but then they see it again. They click on it, they go to your website and then they get hit with a retargeting ad and then they go to Google and then they see your business and now they've clicked on the Google ad and Google's going to get the credit for the Facebook. And I know there's like click attributions and stuff in there. I'm not going to get into the technical uh, you know, part of things in terms of who's going to get the attribute on the click. Now Google's going to get the credit, but they saw the Facebook ad in the first place, right? So there's some of the nuances there that, that you have to keep in mind. But you know, you're looking at the, the platforms Well, you find out what your cost per lead is uh, per platform. That's the easiest number because... And I guess if you, you can track that and you can track the people that come through, you, you can see if one platform converts into an acquired client more than another platform. And so that's where it starts is the cost per lead. And then you try to find out, okay, what's your cost per acquisition per platform? And then you look at that and you compare it to say, okay, which platform is actually bringing in the most leads for the lowest amount of dollars? And that's kind of one barometric gauge to look at in terms of what marketing platform is the cheapest. Absolutely. And I loved what you said too about the omnipresent approach, because that's how you win, right? Just because you see the, the ad on Facebook doesn't mean that when they click your Google ad, the Google ad was the reason that they, they clicked on your business. It might have been, it was because of the Facebook presence that they saw you on Google. So they clicked on you and they recognized the banner. Just because you run a billboard doesn't mean that billboard isn't effective, even if you haven't gotten any calls off of it. That's what's driving your branding presence. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting seeing some of the changes that are happening in Google ads specifically right now. So one of the things that they've done is they're actually taking away your ability to see what people are searching. Of course, they said it very Californian, right? (laughs) Super democratic about it. And we're like, oh, it's okay. We're not doing this to harm you. But when you actually look at the results of it, I've seen some of our client accounts where it's upwards of 60% of the searches we're actually not seeing now. Uh, what it is that's being searched in order to get that click. Hmm. It's crazy. Um, but they said why? it's only 10%. But did they, did they say why they're doing that or why that is? It's the or privacy you, issues. Or would you get around? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And these privacy issues that Google is running into, Facebook's running into, it's harming marketers from that perspective, which is interesting because it's actually going to start driving more of the branding approach and getting back to that. You know, we're having conversations with people about doing more branding in a company with that call to action marketing that has been working so well for the last decade on Facebook and Google. But these kind of drivers of how do you have an all-encompassing marketing approach, not just one size fits all. It's so, so vital today more than ever to be in front of people, however it is that they're going to receive your information. You know, you are only doing Facebook ads and a potential client doesn't have Facebook. They're not going to see you. Right. How can you be in front of them in as many ways as possible? 
Awesome. We're going to flip the script here a little bit and go back to a random question here. So I got your question queued up here, my friend. All right. What actions in your life will have the longest reaching consequences and how long will those effects be felt? That's a deep question. I'm going to uh, go with something that I used to do and I haven't done. And I think I'm starting to see the effects of it. And I know that I need to get back to doing it. And it's the power of a morning routine. I mean, I'm going in internal action that you can take. And I think that a, a morning routine is perhaps one of the biggest things. And you can feel those effects for as long as you do it. Um, you know, that's the part. As soon as you stop, it's gone. A great book that I read, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, a phenomenal book. I, I read it once before and I made some great changes in my life and I was implementing a lot of the the morning routine and then I kind of got away from it for a while. So that you stopped doing it. <laughs> exactly, right? And my morning routine ebbs and flows. And one of the best things that I've done in my morning routine is not checking my phone right off the bat. And I think a lot of people fall into this trap of checking their phone as soon as they wake up because it's their alarm clock, right? So now that I have my new Google Pixel 5, now I have my old phone, it's straight in airplane mode and that's my alarm clock. Um, so it acts as like a true alarm clock now and there's no phone in the room. So it's just these small things to be able to increase and get better at uh, a mental health, mental wellness sort of thing, mental healthness. Uh, I want to go mental health and then and wellness at the same time. Uh, yeah. But uh, Hellness. so wellness. So there we go. I made a word up uh, and done rambling. All right. No, I love That's that. A hard spot. I, yeah. I, I love the miracle morning. I love, they did a movie just recently. So for those of you that don't like to read, it is on audible too. So you can download the audio book, listen to it in the truck while you're driving around. But See, they even got a movie now too. If you're uh, <laughs> you got too much scroll brain for even an audio book, go check out the movie. But his story is phenomenal. The Miracle Morning itself is is so much fun to do. Uh, I got the kids doing it now too at home. We have a blast doing it, and it's made major changes in my life. I've enjoyed it a lot, and I highly encourage other people to do it as well. Cool, man. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up with one last question here. When it comes to efficiency. Because I think that's kind of where we were going anyways when it came to marketing and what we were talking about there. But when it comes to efficiency, how can we tell when something is actually worth our time versus the time that we're spending on doing it? I.e., one of the things you just brought up, you know, checking your phone first thing in the morning. For most people, the first thing that they get to when they get to the office is checking their email. When in reality, that's other people's priorities. It's not your priority, Right. So diving into what it is that matters to you first. So mm-hmm. pose that question to you. What, how do you decide on if something is actually worth your time and, and worth investing into? More than anything, and I'm going to use bookkeeping as the, the kind of the mainstay. I mean, you think about, a, you know, bookkeepers, they're around, I mean, various different hourly rates, but, um, you know, let's go with $40 an hour in around that. So if they're charging you $40 per hour, but you've valued your time, at let's say $100 an hour or $150 an hour, whatever you valued your individual time at, if it's lower than what your hourly rate is, you shouldn't be doing it. So bookkeeping, for example, like, you know what? I could do our own books for our company. I didn't know I could. I could figure it out. And, you know, we've kind of done a little bit of our own for the first little little bit. Uh, and then we're like, hey, this is stupid. Let's hire a bookkeeper. It's not worth our time, right? And so now we've hired the bookkeeper to go through and do everything for us and do it monthly and do the reports, et cetera, versus us trying to do it ourselves in the evenings or weekends because it just 
like, yeah, okay, I kind of like that work, but it wasn't productive and it wasn't a good use of my time because of that dollar equation. So uh, yep. I was technically, if, if let's just say $100 an hour is what I value my time at, and I'm doing $40 an hour work, I'm technically losing $60 an hour, right? Uh, and, and this, by the way, is not a slight to anybody who earns less than $100 an hour or even less than $40 an hour. That's not the intention of this message. It's the value of your time and what's it worth. Do the tasks that are worth that value. Um, and that's where you're going to be able to really grow out of whatever you're currently in, in terms of the roles. Totally. Well, this is what came up even last night. Um, it's my wife's driving around today and she's, she's going to be running this group for our kids' school for girls. And it's, it's all about like women empowerment and, and encouraging these girls to, to step into their power at such a young age. Like it's going to be incredible. But she was looking for some extra little essential oil bottles and like the little, little tiny ones, little sample ones. And there was someone that was giving it away for free in Stony Plain that she found on the Facebook marketplace. And then she found a store downtown that was selling them for $6. She's like, I don't want to spend $6 on this. I was like, so you're saying $6 is worth roughly 45 minutes of your life to drive that extra time to get to Stony Plain and then back again? She's like, okay, you're right. And that's, yeah. that's really how it's, it's viewing it, right? It's putting a value on the time that you're spending on the tasks itself. It has nothing to do with how much you're making, but just simply buying that time back, whether that's hiring a house cleaner so you could spend time with your kids. Maybe yeah. that's hiring a bookkeeper in your business. But the other example I think of is if instead of you opening an HVAC business, where you can be the tech, you can be the person answering the emails, you can be the person answering the phone while you're on the jobs. What if instead of that, you view yourself as a restaurant? If you were opening a restaurant, would you really expect yourself to greet people as they walked in the door, sit them down at the table, take their order, and then run back to the kitchen and do all the cooking and then bring it out to them as well while you're trying to greet the next person? No. No one would ever open a restaurant that way. So why would you expect your HVAC business to be any different? Mm -hmm. It's so crippling to the growth of your business. One of the interesting things that I've seen is guys that transition from being, or girls, transitioning from being a tech to a business owner versus the ones that are transitioned from being a salesperson or in a manager role to a business owner. The difference in the speed at which they grow is for the most part, dramatically different Mm -hmm. because they've already seen what scaling is about. Because if you came from being a salesperson to being a business owner, you can't go out there and fix the machines. You need those people on your team. You can go out and find the clients, but you need people to be able to do the work. So you're automatically bringing them on board with you and you have to start with a team from day one. And it's dramatically different in terms of the scale of the growth. Yeah, it's a different perspective. It's a mind shift, right? You know, on that, what do you want? What do you want your business to be, right? Do you want it to be big, or do you want to be minoring in the majors, majoring in the minors? That's what yeah, it is. majoring in minor things. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that either. Like you also have to look at what is it that makes me happy. Yep. You know, if at the end of the day, going out, doing three calls a day, answering some emails, answering the phone, saying no to the jobs that I don't want to do, if that's what makes you happy, go for it. Act your socks off. Fill your boots. Being the entrepreneur that runs the million dollar, $10 million, $100 million business, it's not for everyone. You shouldn't try to do it if that's not what's going to make you happy. We watched a, a movie over the holidays. It's on Disney Plus called Soul. 
is a great movie. So many lessons throughout all of it. But one of the key ones that really stood out to me was once you achieve that goal that you've been chasing for so long and you stand at the top of the mountain and you look around and say, is this all it is? And you realize that you were either chasing the wrong goal or maybe it was just you were doing it all by yourself and you realize that you really wanted people around you to be able to celebrate with. It's a powerful awakening. So I highly encourage everyone with children or without, watch that movie. It's a great movie. There's so many great lessons in it. But that was a big one that I took away from it was everything costs something. And every time you're saying yes to, to one thing, you're saying no to everything else. So be very mindful about what it is that you're saying yes to. Yes, I like it. Um, well, I think this is a perfect time to uh, wrap things up here uh, for the show. And until next time, cheers. Cheers, bro. Are you the first name people in your area think of when they think of HVAC service? It better be. And our friends at Butler Productions can help. You know those jingles from when you were a kid that just got stuck in your head all day long? Well, Butler Productions helps you put that same branding power to work for your business. They'll produce a custom jingle that will help you stand out from your competitors and stay top of mind for a lifetime. Call Butler Productions at one 3 jingle or go to jinglesbybutler.com. That's J-I-N-G-L-E-S-B-Y-B-U-T-L-E-R.com and tell them Evan sent you and you'll save 15% on your own custom jingle. So give them a shout today. Hey, thanks for watching another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Before you go, join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. That URL one more time, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. Um, the other thing, if you took one nugget, one little golden nugget of information from this show, no matter how big, no matter how small, what we ask is you introduce this show to one person in your contacts list. That's it. That's all we ask. Introduce it to one person in your contacts list so they too can unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Until next time, cheers.